Comparatively speaking to the macho man Randy Savage, you are nothing but garbage, yeah. Careful you don't hurt your neck again going through those ropes. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome to episode 68 of Boot to the Face, a bonus episode with special guest Alicia Atut. Alicia, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, Just got off work, so that's a plus. Um, (laughs) Before we start, I want to say thank you. I noticed you've been doing the rounds with smaller wrestling podcasts and stuff like that, and I think that's cool of you to... To just put it out there like, hey, if anybody... And I know you did this last year also. Um, So on behalf of the smaller podcast, I want to say thank you and then ask what made you want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, I think one of the biggest things is I get requests to do podcasts almost daily. And I'm absolutely not against it, obviously. Um, I feel like, and I know this from being an interviewer, like a lot of podcasts, just the word podcaster has such a bad stigma. So I figured, you know what? Uh, a lot of the time these people are turned down when they request interviews and, you know, a lot of them are, are smaller or just starting. And so I figured, let me look around, let me kind of listen to a couple and see which I like, which look like they could be fun to talk to or whoever's following me, you know. And um, I wrote them back because when I started, and by no means am I like as big as I want to be, but when I started, I was very small, like I had nothing. And right. I remember asking around for stuff and being told no. So I just figured, let me be the person to tell these people yes. And um, hopefully your fans can learn about me. And hopefully when I share, um, I'll be giving you guys a new, uh, you know, a newer fan base as well. So that's kind of the reason I decided to go ahead with this. Well, that's, that's cool of you. Um, so how would you handle at the beginning? Let's just go ahead and dive into it when you were getting your request denied left and right. Because we're kind of dealing with that now. So, <laughs> so we're in that boat now also. Yeah, it honestly sucks. It's not a great feeling being told no. It's not a great feeling kind of feeling like you're you're in the midst of failing a little bit. But you know what? It happens. And uh, my dad told me this advice that I use every day, which is you can be told no a thousand times, but all it takes is that one yes. So anytime I would get those no's, I wouldn't be super discouraged because I figured, you know what? The yeses will come. If they don't want to do it, like it was almost like a bitter their loss kind of thing. Right, and I was right. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna show them why they should say yes. And I mean most people that told me no have been on my show now. So, you know, it's all about kind of your hustle and wanting to turn those into yeses. Wow. So so you're better than me. I'd have been like, You remember a couple years <laughs> ago when you were an ass, but no. <laughs> but um So what made you want to start doing interviews? Like, I I know you're known as the interview queen. When did that whole persona and and delve into this type of thing start? Yeah, so the first interview I ever did, I was actually at a concert with my dad and my sister. And my sister drew this amazing drawing of the lead singer. uh, And so I tweeted them randomly out of an account I just started. It's not even the same Twitter account I use today. And I tweeted them randomly. And I was like, oh, hey, who... uh, who in the band is going to be free after the show? Is there any chance you could sign this for my sister, please? And they actually wrote me back. They're a band called Bombay Bicycle Club, pretty big in the UK. Um, 
sold out their newest tour here. They just had a reunion um, after being gone for five years. Amazing band. Um, anyway, so we were there with like a really shitty HD camera, <laughs> this little this little thing, um, just so I could take photos of the performance and stuff. And once they signed my sister's photograph of them, her art, my dad said, hey, why don't you try interviewing these guys, huh? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what? He's like, just ask them two questions. It'll be fun. Because at that point, I literally had a site where I just like wrote about songs. I had never thought about interviewing. It was just a hobby to kind of express myself a little bit. And so I did this 2Q video interview. It was two questions with this band. And I was a nervous wreck. So I was kind of just like thrown into the pool without little wings, you know, with little water wings. Um, and it all just happened very organically from there. And I just kept with it. <laughs> well, it's good. Um, it sounds like your dad was very involved and stuff right. back then. So that's always good to hear. Um, so when did you become a fan of wrestling? Before we get to the wrestling interviews, was that about the same time you started out interviewing rock and roll band? No, I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. Like my dad used to watch it all the time uh, growing up and my mom would be doing stuff and she would just like sit me down with my dad and all his buds. And I would watch wrestling since I was like two or three years old. I just plopped on the couch and then next thing you know, I was five and I understood it. Then I was 10 and I was, I was still watching it. Now I'm 24 and I'm doing stuff in the wrestling business. So yeah, once again, one of those weird organic things where it wasn't like, oh, you have a big site. Let's try like breaking into a new market and learning about it. I already kind of knew. I kind of knew a little bit about it since I was a fan. So, right. Uh, that's kind of how I got into it. And trust me, there was a whole lot more to learn. But uh, that's <laughs> definitely how I how I started. Uh, who were your favorites back then when you were just getting into it? I was a huge Chris Jericho fan, Cody Rhodes, uh, The Rock, and Cena. Like you know, I was I'm a '90s baby, so like I love John Cena. Um, I'm trying. Those those are like the main ones. Then McFoley, love Foley. Um, I used to really like RVD just because I thought his little hand gestures were like yeah. captivating when I was when I was a kid. So there were little things that you know reasons I gravitated towards others more than others but i was really about the charisma so jericho the rock and cena are the best three in my eyes that are great on the mic and have you interviewed any of your favorites i mean i i know you worked with cody and the guys at all in and stuff like that and now you're with mlw but as far as your all-time favorites have you interviewed any of them i've interviewed uh jericho three times i've interviewed foley four times and I've hosted two shows for him which was really really like such an mm -hmm. honor yeah it was such an honor um so out of the ones I just named like those are a couple I've, I've interviewed uh Cody a couple times um yeah I still need I still need the rock and Cena though and you know what like Don't we I never, right I never <laughs> ever thought that I would have like half of the bigger people on my site that I have so it, I'm, I'm not saying it's never going to happen. You know, I have to stay positive. It, it'll happen one day, fingers crossed. How how does it come about, though, you working a show with Mick Foley and, and hosting a show with him? Like, how is that even presented? And what was going through your head when it was? Oh, I freaked out so hard. It's, like, embarrassing. I freaked out. Um, so I interviewed Foley twice, um, both at local shows around here in Toronto. And then after interviewing him, I saw him at two conventions we were both guests at. We were just signing. And then he was like, hey, I'm starting to do this, like, speaking tour. Um, I'm kind of thinking about having someone host it. And he's like, would you be interested? I was like, 
yeah, <laughs> of course I'd be interested. A lot of my hosting really started to happen towards the middle of 2019. I started doing hosting gigs, hosting in ring, hosting shows, um, hosting panels. So when he approached me, I felt like even though I've been interviewing for so long, it felt so new to open a show and introduce him, and especially such a such a legend of such magnitude. Right. So. Um, at first, I was like, well, I can't say no, but I was so nervous to say yes. And then I told him I'd be interested. And then um, I had his number from the first time I did interviews with him uh, so we could coordinate. And yeah, then from there, we just kept in touch. And then the, <laughs> the tour came around and he was like, hey, so I want you to do it. And I, I cried because it was just such an honor for me. And then he called me up again. Uh, he texted me like a year later and was like, hey, I'm doing the 20 Years of Hell tour. Want to host? Yes, please. So <laughs> that's how it kind of came around. So uh, backtracking a little bit, how did you get the website started and what made you want to do that? Was that just a platform for you to put your interviews on? It wasn't even about interviews. When I started, I was 16 or 17, and I just had like a very crazy passion for music and when I was in class I'd get really bored and I would just write reviews of songs I liked not for not for anybody just just for me to kill time um and then when my parents found out they're like hey why don't you post it on one of those like blogs you know just just put it out there and so I started writing about bands I made social media accounts started tweeting bands and some of them started retweeting the uh the song reviews which was really cool and then it eventually led to once I had that base just as a hobby so I could like meet bands and have fun um that's when I went to that that show for Bombay Bicycle Club and was told, oh, hey, do this little interview. And then it just all went uh, on from there. So you brought up music a couple of times. What kind of music are you into? I'm all over the place. One day I'll have a 70s day. One day I'll just listen to Kiss. One day I'll just listen to the Beatles. Then it's like I go back into like Bee Gees and then Philly Soul, like New Wave. I'll have an 80s day where it's like Duran Duran and Culture Club and AHA. Like I'm very all over the place eclectic. Um, the only thing that I'm not like super, super into is EDM, uh, newer country, any kind of radio rap I don't listen to. I, I like like gangster rap, like Biggie and, and, and yeah. um, NWA and stuff. Yeah, totally, right? Totally the <laughs> image I, I put off. So um, those are kind of the the genres I weave in and out of. Well, I mean, I guess I could see that. I mean, I've seen you kind of beefing back and forth with people lately about <laughs> how how are people why are people such assholes online nowadays? Can we can we talk about that? Like, is that just? And it's always the people with the. It used to be the egg on Twitter, but now it's just a regular right. pic or a picture of their dog or something, and it's like. Get out. You have two followers. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah, I don't know why it why it happens. And some days you're in a great mood. Some days you're not having such a good day. And the days where I'm not having such a good day, I decide to quote retweet these assholes and let my fans kind of dig into them a little bit. So um, that's, that's the way that I like to cope. Um, but I don't really understand why people feel there's a need. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them are just lonely, jealous, and want some sort of attention from any angle and it's a double-edged sword when you when you give them attention because one if you quote retweet or you you've kind of feed their fire you are giving them that uh attention but at the same time it's sometimes so overwhelming for them they end up deleting their comments and you know <laughs> leaving twitter like i've had that happen a few times <laughs> so it's like i'd rather just you know once it's in my fans hands 
I don't even think about it. And uh, it's amazing how much you can see people rallying for you over how dumb someone can be. So, right. yeah. Does it feel like the negative stuff, like, sticks with you more than like you can have a hundred people tell you how awesome you are and then that one person it's like you suck it's like no asshole you suck (laughs) is that just me or is that like a natural human thing because we have people all the time tell us they like stuff and the one person that says something negative it's just like man i think it's just human nature like when i interviewed renee young we had to talk about this because she was just starting commentary first female commentator there and excuse me in wwe and you know, she was getting a lot of negativity from it. And so she's like, it's weird. Everyone was so happy for me. And then that one troll comment that stands out, that's what I focus on all day. She's like, it sucks. And then I told her, you know what? Same with me. Like I could be having the most wonderful day with all the praise and love from my fan base and friends and family. And that one douchebag has to say something about my skills or my looks or my outfit or whatever. And that's what sticks with you. And I really don't, I really don't know why that's the case i wish it wasn't it's clearly human nature because we all do it and it sucks but um you just gotta kind of stick to your guns and know that they're douchebags and you can you can get past it yeah you could just sit there and argue with somebody you don't know or you could ignore but i tend to always argue because i'm I'm an asshole too so (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't argue and trust me i'm not saying i'm not an asshole at times but i don't argue i'll just say something back that's either witty or like rude but not not offensive and i'll uh, well it's offensive to them if i tell them to f off but not to everyone else um yeah and then i kind of just let it be I, I never interact back and forth ever because then it's just it's just too much they don't deserve that all right i'm gonna take notes on how to deal with twitter trolls now because yours seems, <laughs> yours seems a lot more effective than mine is uh, let's get to something positive. A few months back, I believe, you signed with MLW. I remember we talked about it here and kind of threw a congratulations out. How big was that? How would you react to it? Uh, the whole nine. What were your feelings on that? I was absolutely overwhelmed. It was just such a flurry of emotions for me because our, my position, is it's very unique. If you look at any wrestling show, there's tons of people doing production, there's tons of wrestlers, and there's usually one of me back there. And so I was thinking, you know, each person, each promotion's looking for that one person to be the face of their company to carry their segments through, their storylines through. And I just never knew if I would end up being that person. I, just being honest, I, I didn't know. And I would have loved for it to happen, you know, prior, prior to this opportunity coming up. I wanted it to happen, but you just don't know. And so when they approached me saying, hey, we really like what you do. Um, we'd like to kind of test drive this. Do you want to come out to our next tapings? I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, there's talks of this? Yeah, of course. And I was familiar with the brand. I think they're fantastic. Um, they all hustle so much. The product is great. So I went to those tapings, and we didn't even finish our first day together, and there was there was already talks of a contract. So it, uh, it just felt right. I love the locker room. Everyone is just so passionate and good at what they do. Everyone wants to even get better, which is awesome. So it just felt at home. And of course, you have to mull it over because it's a big decision signing a multi-year deal. But at the same time, it just it felt right. And I haven't regretted it since you know signing that paper. Uh, it's just been a fantastic experience with them. I'm, I'm really grateful. And I'm so happy now that I'm like, signed it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> See, I re- we saw you at all in the first the first one all in 
Uh, me and my wife went down there, and I remember seeing you on TV and interview, and I hadn't heard of you before then. I was like, oh, she must be a big deal. And then, of course, uh, I guess it's called the awareness theory. Once you see something or someone and hear about it, they're everywhere. And it's like after that, you j- I don't know if you just blew up or maybe I just paid more attention, but how was the the all-in experience being one of the main MCs there? It was one of the best experiences I've had. I am so, so grateful to those guys for, for giving me the chance to have been like, a part of that that night that was really the start of it all for them and it was it was a great it was such a good night um it was one of those things where again it kind of just like fell into my lap i had interviewed all the guys prior they liked what i did and then we started talking once this buzz was coming up around a show i texted cody and i was like hey if you need anybody i'm just waving at you like hello <laughs> and, um, <laughs> right. it ended up it ended up working out so it was a great show, great time backstage. I got so many interviews, and I really felt like I made a lot of um, friendships and, and bonded with a ton of people at that show. So I feel like it was a big step for me for my career. I already had my YouTube channel, which was doing super well, but that was the first real big thing I had done. I had done some pay-per-views with other promotions and stuff, but this is the one where you walk away and you're like, this could change a lot, and it did. And um I'm really grateful and happy it happened. It was a really wonderful night. So besides the MLW contract, what's all what's all changed since then? How's how's life changed for Alicia? It's been a couple of months, so now it's really awesome because I kind of have that confidence in knowing I have that wrestling home and that wrestling family. So no longer am I kind of, you know, sometimes you worry, like, what's the next show? What are you doing next? And I always have my YouTube channel keeping me crazy, but I'm still trying to have tons of appearances and conventions that kind of stuff so now it's like i can kind of chill back a little bit and knowing once or twice a month i'm gonna fly out to some really cool place and see my friends and be able to interview at mlw it's awesome so i feel i feel like there's more comfort now which is great there's not any second guessing or you know much doubt going on in my mind anymore which is a very nice feeling um yeah so that's kind of been the the main thing It's, it's been a confidence booster and um, so that's been nice. And then otherwise, it's, it's been go, go, go. Like appearances, uh, signings. I handle all my social media, my merch, my interviews, my editing. So anytime you don't see me traveling or tweeting, I'm like doing something else for my site. So it's just been really busy and uh, really, really great lately. So how do you stay in shape? That sounds like I would be <laughs> stress eating like hell, just like constantly oh, eating and drinking non-stop while I'm doing all that. So how do you stay in shape like that with that schedule? I don't even know if you'd call me in shape. It depends on the day. Um, I eat like crazy. It's horrible. I have a sweet tooth. I, I've been trying to cut back on junk food, but it's just so hard, especially I work from home. So like I'm either always working in the kitchen or the basement where there's like food everywhere. So it's difficult. Um, I guess the best way is I've been trying to buy more healthy snacks, which sounds like, I would never say that five years ago, but I've been trying and I'm um, trying to exercise a bit more. I think it hit me like, ah, you're going to be on TV every week. You should maybe, uh, you know, work, work a little harder on how you look now. So <laughs> um, I've been I've been trying. Yeah. So you're one of those people that just eats what they want. And we all hate you, by the way. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> no. I guess I can just thank my metabolism because I don't eat the best. Yeah, and my metabolism died like 10 years ago. So, um, 
I know you said The Rock and Cena. Are there anybody? Is there anybody in music you would look forward to interviewing in the near future? Yeah, so I'm wearing their shirt right now. I really want to interview Kiss like super, super badly. I love them so very much. So that's a dream interview for me. I've met them, but I've never interviewed them. Um, I would also in music. Who else? I want to interview Paramore because I've loved Haley Williams since I was a kid. That'd be cool. It'd be awesome to interview one of the Gallagher brothers, um, Noel or Liam. Like that'd be that'd be cool from Oasis. So yeah, those are like those are a couple that just come to mind like super randomly. Right. Um, I got a couple more. What, uh, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that wants to start interviewing and being in a kind of their own type, social media, YouTube, things of that nature? Um, I guess the heart or the biggest advice I would give is to have a hard shell and be, be ready for those aforementioned trolls and for, for a heartbreak in the industry and not always getting what you want. But at the same time, um, be, be open to trying new things. The biggest thing is if I hadn't tried backstage promos, that wouldn't have led to ring announcing, which wouldn't have led to hosting, which is, you know, those are the three main things I do now that have given me tons of opportunity. So just don't be scared of, of failure because it's going to happen. You're going to fail a lot and it sucks. But when you have those good moments, those good moments are worth every failure you could ever have had. So it's kind of cheesy, but just keep your chin up and like keep on trucking because um, stuff tends to, to work out if you work hard. I like it. Uh, any plans to get in the ring? Never. Never? <laughs> Never. The only time you'll see me in the ring is if I have a mic in my hand and I am interviewing somebody. So <laughs> They always say <laughs> never say never in wrestling, though. Eh, well, there you have it. I'm just, I'm a wimp and I don't want to take the bumps and, you know, have my most of my friends are wrestlers really and it's you you hear them always complaining about their aches and their injuries and it's it's sad and scary when i watch some of these guys wrestle i'm like oh gosh please be okay so i just i just don't want that worry for for myself it's a so we won't ever get serious thing we won't ever get selena de Laurenta out there like talking shit to you and like knocking you down you're like you know what i'm done let's do this it would only have to be an angle where, like, if I get shoved or something, I'm cool with getting shoved or something. Like, I could totally play along with that. Um, and, like, if I have to bitch slap someone, I'll do it. I've done it, before, like, a few times. But um, as far as, like, actual wrestling, I just I just don't see that in my future. I hear you. Um, what are your plans for WrestleMania weekend in Tampa? I'm sure MLW is running stuff down there. What, what appearances and everything do you have going on? Yeah, so I'm still sorting out my schedule for Mania, but one of the main and biggest things that I have firmed up for that week is uh, I'm actually hosting the Bullet Club Beach Party, which is going to be insane. Um, we have everyone from Tama to Jay White who's going to be there, and we're announcing tons of talent. There's been tons of Ring of Honor talent announced as well, and pretty much we're all getting together at this place called Whiskey Joe's. It's on a beach. It's beautiful, um, and we're all just going to drink and have fun and play games together. It's literally just like the bullet club roaming around and you, you get to just walk around with them and too sweet and have a good time. So I'm so excited for that. I hosted their party last year and it was one of the best days of my life. So I have that. I'm going to be hosting some interviews for WrestleCon directly, which is awesome for high spots. And I have a couple other things in the works. I can't really announce yet, but it's going to be, it's going to be a busy week with literally no sleep. So it'll be great. (laughs) Sounds. I will. 
I wasn't planning on going to the beach party. I'm not going to lie, but you just said it's at a place that starts with whiskey. So I might have to to look that up and find out, you know, if my wife and my partner want to want to go hit that up. How'd you become cool with the Bullet Club? I see you with them all the time. <laughs> yeah, so it was cool. I've interviewed I've interviewed Jay like six times now, just at, at random, <laughs> really random shows. And uh, then I ended up interviewing uh, Tama. And pretty much the talk of this block party was coming about. And Steve, who was putting the whole thing together, reached out. Um, no, actually, I reached out to him saying, hey, if you need a host for this, wink, wink. Because uh, if you don't put yourself out there, the opportunity could never come. And then Steve was like, yeah, well, you know, we're weighing our options, but, like, we'll definitely think about it. And then it was, like, a couple days later, he was like, yeah, we want you. We definitely want you. We've only heard good things. So then I ended up hosting that party, and then I kind of was associated with the Bullet Club. And, you know, Tama made me a honorary Bullet Babe, which was awesome. So it's, um, it's, it's crazy and surreal to be, like, associated with one of the biggest, most pronounced factions in, in wrestling it's it's awesome and they are all like the sweetest humans ever so it's just gonna be a good day it's gonna be so much fun i'm sure they're gonna love you hearing you say that there's the sweetest people in the world <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie on these things like That's funny. They, they can when they need to they can definitely throw fisticuffs but uh around me they don't need to we're all buds <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, whatever you got going on, tell everybody, tell them where they can find you online and YouTube channel and all that. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys are on socials, which I am going to guess you are, um, just search up Alicia too, and you'll find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, along with my merch store and, uh, my YouTube channel, which has tons of interviews, vlogs, Q and A's, all that really fun stuff. And so if you happen to like listening to interviews, which if you're listening now, you do, um, just come over and check it out. They're really lighthearted, fun, conversational interviews that I really enjoy hosting. Well, Alicia, on behalf of Boot to the Face, I want to thank you for coming on. It was fun. It was interesting. And again, thanks for, like I said, looking out for the smaller people that not a lot of people do. So we really appreciate that. No, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for reaching out when I sent out my my tweet and wanting to have me on. I I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, This has been Boot to the Face, episode 68, with guest Alicia Toot. I'm Chris. For Marty, peace.